So, welcome to the podcast, since we already started. Oh, oh did we? <laughs> oh, there it is. And, oh, uh, yeah, welcome back to another Keep Chugging episode. Uh, I'm Mark, and we actually have uh, quite a few guests this time. Uh, Larry, who's going to be on a lot more. <laughs> Am I a guest? No, no, I mean, Larry, I mean, you're kind of permanent at this yeah, point. You've been no. on half of the episodes. Once we get going, like, remote, and then we yeah. can pump them out weekly. That'll be something we're going to try as we start trying to do remote podcasts. And then uh, we have two other special guests with us, uh, Mel Torres. Hello. And Jacob, is it Ortiz? It is. It is Ortiz. It is. Uh, both from the local Orange County scene, but both doing a lot more than I think people realize. I think that was a big reason we wanted to get you guys on the podcast is uh, kind of the sleeper, like, I don't know what the word is. Um, the sleeper hard workers, like, you guys work on a lot of things that I think nobody realizes how much you guys actually work on. I mean, is that is that accurate? I think that's pretty well. More so for you than for me, Mel. Well, I you're think. a lot. I, I'd like to say that you're fifty percent of like why my stuff looks cool. Mm-hmm. So I like to bring you around <laughs> everywhere because all the stuff that I do, I don't think I'd be able to do if you weren't helping me or giving me advice or at least giving me emotional support at like hmm. four a.m. For sure. <laughs> So I got you, boo. So, so uh, blow jobs aside, uh, <laughs> Mel, I think you uh, moderate the SoCal Instrument Exchange page too, huh? Oh yeah, that's a throwback. I I passed that torch on. To, oh, okay. To a few other people. Yeah, I think I'm for so, a while it was just you, and now there's like four or five other people mm-hmm. on there. Or it just I I like neglected it for a good seven, like seven eight months, and just went, "Who wants this? This is yeah. way <laughs> too big." Like it was just like. An idea. Okay, so my friend in Chicago said, "You don't have one of these." Like, I think eight years ago, he's like, "You don't right. have one of these here." I was like, "I should just make one." Yeah. And then I, it, I didn't realize how helpful it would be in the scene. How much yeah. those are needed? How much there, that's needed? Yeah, no there's kidding. like a good ten thousand people in there. Yeah. Like yeah. the vast majority of my like trades and deals come from that start, group. Start. Yeah. I knew about yeah. that group before I knew about Mel. <laughs> <laughs> that's but funny. I, I have to agree. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so to start, we actually like to do something on the podcast. Uh, that our usual thing is, what have you listened to this week? So guys, starting with Jacob, what did you listen to this week that was uh, good or bad? That's a great question. Um, as far as like new music, nothing much. I'm, I'm kind of a, a creature of habit. I go back to the same stuff kind of over and over, but I don't really listen to a lot of like metal per se. More is just like, more like the like pop or like the punk kind of music. Okay. I try and avoid listening to a lot of metal because I play a lot of metal. Sure. So, you know, I listen to a lot of like Turnover, which is kind of like this like kind of indie-ish, indie-ish band, but it's more of just kind of like atmospheric background music, which is what I listen to to kind of like relax while I work. Okay. That kind of stuff, Turnover. Um, what else do I listen to? A lot of Seosin, too. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you feel like that stuff kind of crosses over into your plane, or is it more like... Uh, yeah. Because a lot of that music is more lead-based mm-hmm. as opposed to rhythm-based, which is good because in a lot of the music that I write, I end up finding myself writing more of the lead lines than the rhythm lines, Okay, which works out well. So I usually have, like, for example, say with the Silas, they would write, you, either Mel, Naz, or Eric would write a lot of the, the rhythm lines. And then, granted, I came in kind of late to this, the project, mm-hmm. But when I did come in, I was like, hey, here's a lead line. Can, can you do something with it? Yeah. And, yeah, it worked out pretty well that way. Yeah. So. I, I felt like when it's, like, really easy to keep you, like, plug and play. So it just we kind of, like, kept holes open. And I mm-hmm. felt like a lot of that 
You you did write a a good bit of riffy stuff too, but like a good bit of stuff that wasn't like riff stuff, that was like strumming or mm-hmm. just stuff that like left open top line. You just owned right. Yeah, and I definitely yeah. I definitely want to get back to the fact that Mel, you're a, you're a multi instrumentalist. Like, you can basically grab something and play it no matter what it is. That that's always interesting to me. I felt like that was like out of necessity, mm-hmm. like out of me at first when I was like recording bands or like. Oh, this like way back to like seventh, eighth grade. I'd have friends that we'd like try to write music together, mm-hmm. but there would be always like something missing. And then I picked up instruments just as a way to communicate. Sure. And like I played piano because I'm like that. I'm, like looking left because <laughs> I'm that Asian kid. <laughs> that, like, my mom threw me into like piano school, so I like I knew my way around the keyboard, and mm-hmm. I hated like reading music. So like. But drums was the thing that got me back into music, so I felt like not knowing how to play guitar was a huge, like, thing that left me unopened for communication. Like, I couldn't project ideas, like, oh, go up. Mm -hmm. And then that was, like, the worst way to, like... Yeah, go up means something else completely different to every person. Definitely writing music with someone that doesn't speak guitar is not fun. It's like, oh, do something like a... I don't know what that means. Quick, quick... Quick question then. What's worse? No, somebody that doesn't know how to speak guitar or somebody that doesn't know how to speak drum? Because I feel like that's worse for me. When I try to, tell, when I try to relay a, a, a riff to my drummer and I'm like, can you do it like... He's like, I don't know what you're no, doing. You know, I, think, I think not speaking guitar is a little worse. Because okay. at least with drums, you can go, hey, go like... Bah, da, 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 yeah, da, yeah. Da. It's like, okay, I, I kind of get like the rhythm of that. Mm-hmm. But if I say that on guitar, it's like... Uh, There's so many other variables. Yeah, you know, like I can't really sing. Okay, like, I can like if you threw me through like auto tune or like I could like belt out like do a lead line like mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that, and that would that would he would get the idea or my other bandmates would get the idea, but if like I can't like play it play it, I can't project like this is exactly what I want you to do and I want to do like. And later on, when I like did college and stuff like that, I was like, "Oh, do a third like oh, okay. minor harmonic." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would like that would help the communication if like mm-hmm. someone was well versed enough in theory yeah. to to actually understand that. Sure, that I worked with, but I feel like a lot of it comes down to to just knowing the people that you write music with. Yeah, well, that's yeah. that's chemistry. That's yeah, chemistry building. Um, what about you, Mel? What did you listen to this week? I know you have to listen to a lot of different music. Yeah, I mean, right now I kind of on the way here I picked up Crazy 88 just because okay. I like slept on them and I'm really digging how they it's I don't know if you know the band it's uh, I know the name so I'm it's not a, sure if I know the name from Kill Bill or, or. yeah I'm not <laughs> sure either <laughs> is that what that's from yeah that's from yeah. Kill oh, Bill oh okay, okay. The, what, what's the, the Oren Ishii and the and Crazy 88 yeah it's yeah. been a while even wow. for that man. <laughs> the more I'm you know I'm a massive movie nerd yeah, though, so. clearly <laughs> so it's like a female fronted band Lauren Babic, if I say that wrong, something I'm sorry. like that, Lauren. Yeah, yeah, it's like Lauren. She's like a popular YouTuber, and then she teamed up with. Oh man, is Jared Alonge? Yeah, Jared Alonge <laughs> and uh, Patty Walters from As It Is. So look at this depth of knowledge right here. Yeah, I'm like really bad with names. Period. Yeah. So like, if I forget Jacob's name, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I only know that because I really like As It Is, and I follow them, and I, that's, oh, how, that's okay. how I found out about Crazy Eighty Eight. And I was like, Jared Alonge is in a serious band. Hmm. <laughs> Okay. So they uh, basically did this whole entire like Kickstarter thing after they did like a YouTube cover series. They picked her up because she's like a popular YouTuber. Mm-hmm. And then 
it's just picking up steam really fast and especially I feel like personally like YouTube artists are the new wave okay like I know that there's like signed label acts but I feel like the independent artist has a stronger voice and like a more solid cult following nowadays like those people have the longer longevity and I really kind of dig the direction that they're going in which mm-hmm. is like this female fronted Seosin like it's Seosin under oathy kind hmm. of feel. That's I really dig it because it's not, it's not the same like gent chug formula right. that we've been hearing for the past like, five years. Yeah, but <laughs> it it has enough to make you happy. Yeah, mm-hmm. has enough of that to make you happy. Plus, it's female fronted. Sure, so, something different. Yeah, it's super powerful too. For sure, Larry. What about you? What have you been listening to this week? Uh, Besides from within. A lot of Why do I know that? I know that name. Why do yeah, I know that name? I, I, you know, I was going through Spotify and I was like, "Who the fuck are these guys? Yeah, how have I never heard of these guys before?" And I hit up my other uh, bandmates. And they're like, "Oh yeah, they're fucking badass." Well, bitch, you don't tell me nothing. Yeah, like, yeah. come on, man. <laughs> you know, so between them and then like you know, hardcore stuff like "Stick to Your Guns" and stuff mm. like that. You know, I just that, that's that's a classic. That's you know. Those are great. So sure. that's that's what I've been on. Like that's been getting me through the gym. Surprised you haven't? Yeah, you haven't done any super tech stuff this week. Or I mean, it's always there. Yeah, you know, somewhere in the but, background, you know, new stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, the albums came out this year and stuff like that, and they're always on my regular rotation. You know, like Archspire and stuff like that. Mm. But uh, uh-huh. that's that's what I'm really on. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Okay, that's for sure. Uh, Do I'm you follow to... Nail the Mix at all? Or like... No, no. Because uh, I was with uh, I, don't, I don't know if you want to intro this later or now, but. Uh, when I was on the Nail the Mix trip for URM, like I, okay. I followed Dave and we kind of like looked at that song really closely. Yeah. And that drummer is beyond it's like gross. my <laughs> comprehension for understanding <laughs> how that is played. I, all everybody in that band. I was gonna I mean, say that whole band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Insane. even their vocalist, like the that dude could spit lyrics so fast. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and his dictation is it's on super point. crisp. Like. I don't know. Those guys are freaks. Like, there's a lot of crazy stuff coming out of Canada right now. Yeah, I think you know? that's that's a big it thing seems happening. Like every good tech band comes from Canada. Well, it seems like everything coming from the north right now. There's right. not a whole lot of new music coming from like the southern. I don't know what how to put it. Southern America, like not even South America, just right. like Lower California, Texas. Like I remember the Texas metal scene being huge. Right, and it's kind of like went silent. Well, I don't know. My theory is that it's cold up north, so you mm-hmm. got to move fast. That's, and, that's yeah. That's and they that. got biscuits and gravy down south, which slows you down. <laughs> there you go. So, there it, you go. Fair enough. <laughs> gets in your blood. For sure. What about you? Uh, let's see. What did I listen to that was new this week? You know what I've been. I've, I keep trying to come back to, and I'm trying to like it, and it's really hard. Is the new Architects? I yeah, like, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. It's sad boy metal, and I just can't. I, I know I've, that they're I've, grieving and whatever. I cannot do it. I've yeah. deemed it as the okayest album of the year. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. You go. that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I got a lot of flack for it, but it's just like I couldn't find myself listen to, to go and listen to that album more than twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it was I think like, it was I, okay. I'm with you. I think I'm on my fourth or fifth listen, mm-hmm. and I keep on going. Like the last record was better, and the record which is a shame. The- yeah, because I thought that last record I thought was fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. but this one's getting so much critical and like fan praise. I just I'm mm-hmm. not. It's not connecting with me. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I keep on going back to that. Yeah. Um, not really any other reason than I, I want to like it. Yeah, I'm the same way. I've gotten through like, and that's, I didn't even mention it because I can't even get through a track or two before I'm like, I'm bored. Yeah. All right, let's let's move on. Yeah. You know? I'm with yeah. you. And then you got you have what Josselosis. Yeah. 
who's a fucking amazing guitar player, oh, yeah. and it's just like you're not being utilized. Not at all. I don't know. That's still like weird for me and him and that band and stuff. I don't know. Like, is he an official official yes. member? Yeah, yeah he's hundred percent uh, official yeah. now. Which, which I think is weird. In my head, he's not. I I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was weird because he went from going in standard E all the way down to drop G sharp. Dude, but Silosis made that, oh, yeah, that huh, standard right. work, dude. Yeah. It didn't yeah. sound like standard. No. You know, they, it was that, good. They, it was good. They were something else. It was good shit. Um, okay, so moving on, I wanted to talk about something that actually came up today, and it was kind of important to me because we have a good. I feel like between the four of us, we have a good. Uh, Diversity on on this subject is. Uh, did anybody see the thing with Arch Enemy that came up today? No. Oh, oh no. I saw something about it. Somebody was banned from taking yeah, pictures at their shows. Or there's something, a photographer. There's a photographer that got banned by the band because they used uh, one of his pictures out of context for a clothing brand. Well, he claimed ownership to the picture and asked for either five hundred dollars in payment or a hundred dollars to the to a cancer society. And the band manager, who ended up being the original singer, Angela, yeah. turned around and banned him from not only all Arc Enemy shows, but then put out an email to all booking agents and label reps to make sure he doesn't shoot for anybody. Oh, wow. So he basically got blacklisted for putting up a picture and then claiming it as his own. Um, and I think there was something in there where they were like, well, wouldn't you want the exposure? And that hit a nerve. Like, that immediately hit a nerve, like, yeah. fuck you and your exposure bullshit. Like, that, I felt like that immediately went to, like, band stuff where they're like, well, you're going to sell 50 tickets and you're going to owe me X amount of money, but it's exposure. Work for exposure. Work for free because it's exposure. Right. Like, fuck you. So I feel like, you know, between us being musicians and then Mel being a, being a very successful videographer and photographer, like, I feel like this is a good, like, place to kind of bring that up. Like, what are you guys' thoughts on a band who took the time out of, you know, their regular work to go, fuck this one person. So wait, clarification. So he used a photo of them that wasn't his, or they used a photo he took? There it is. They used a photo they he used a took? They used a brand, a clothing brand that, that the main vocalist uh, <coughs> is sponsored by. Right. Used his photo without his permission. Oh, come on. Oh. Yeah. So, so, hold on, I'm still trying to get a grasp sure. on the whole. So, like... Say say it again. So, <laughs> do you want me to say it? Arch enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's Metal Blast. They were at a festival. Took photos in June of Elisa. So mm-hmm. they. I think the next day he posted it because he was really happy with it. Well, she normally reposts. That's totally fine. Well, one of the things that she's wearing, you know, she's sponsored by. So the company figured, okay, they're wearing the item. We can use that as promotion. So they used it. I'm not sure if the brand did a sponsored post where that photo was used, but once you do that, like that's used to advertising. You're putting, you're using that to make money. So I think that's why he um, got mad. Was it's okay that she uses it? You know, she used all the copyright or the watermark so that it's okay. But mm. the the company used it as a way to generate profit. Even if it wasn't directly used as an ad, uh-huh. it's still used to promote the item. So that's where he got mad. It's like, if you're going to use it, then you need to either, you know, come to me, ask if for the permission, which, you know, I agree. If you're going to use something to promote something, ask them. That's the easiest way to make sure that you don't get in trouble. But they didn't do that. They just 
posted it, I think, on Instagram, and then... Well, that's where I think it's, like, all gray. It's, like, super hard for me to, like... Because I do social media for other companies. I do social media for other companies, too. And the thing that I feel like it's gray is if... Technically, everything you're making money with. Right. Like, if, if you're a company and you're still trying to pitch a product... Sure. ...and you're doing, like, repost stuff, like... If it was like Twitter and it was like a retweet and you press mm. retweet and then people on your brand saw that, it, it's it's all like super gray. So it's it's hard for me to form an opinion on. Well, yeah, like I'm I'm still like trying to figure out what's cool because it's not. If you're like printing it or reselling it or that specific image without like credit mm-hmm. and you're like cropping out a watermark or mm-hmm. you're, you're doing your your very best to like make it seem like you made that thing. Sure. Then that's a huge f you to everyone involved right. in the whole entire process. Right. Right. And that's not cool. Um, like when it's like Instagram or something like that, or if like companies like grabbing something off the internet and they're like re-photoshopping it, and it's kind of like transformative. I still feel like that's kind of gray. But if it's like just a post like an Instagram post mm-hmm. or like just a social media thing used for content to fill a day. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's more forgivable, but if you're like making it like your sponsored ad with swipe up and you're like mm-hmm. doing this whole entire thing, yeah. there's no like original anything. That's where it gets weird because like, say like it's for the arts Inquirer and someone else shot for you guys, sure. but you're wearing something cool sure. and it's off of your site mm-hmm. and I just click share. Because, like, I liked and, like, I'm an endorser for, like, whatever product you're, mm. you're repping. Okay. Or not an endorser, but I, like, I'm a company owner for whatever shirt or guitar or drum set is in that picture. Mm-hmm. And I just push, press share, and then for some reason that picture is so cool that I benefited from it. Okay. That's so weird because it's, like, I feel like and anything is, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's I feel all, like all available. A, yeah, it's all available because it's so like open and free. You know what I mean? But I'm not. I'm not saying that it's not right to not credit the content creator. Mm-hmm. But in that sense, it's like, what is? I, I still haven't formed like a solid, concrete opinion on it because, sure. like, I still don't know what is like kosher because you're just still at a show taking a picture. And then posting it up online. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, like, I feel like I know where you're trying to go, but I think my thing comes back to, like, as a photographer, say you get that picture, that picture gets used, that picture gets spread, and there's no, there's no return on, your, on the work that you put in. And then not only is there no longer return, they go out of their way to make sure that you can't work with them ever again. Well, that's a, that's a whole different story. I yeah. don't think that's... Yeah, I think they went way too deep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I mean, stolen picture or whatever or not, let's just call it what it is. I mean, he didn't ask for much. Yeah. It's not like, I mean, they're a pretty big band. I'm not saying they're making millions, but, mm-hmm. dude, his, his 500 bucks or, you know, like 100 bucks donated to whatever, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah. They pay more. That, the, the company probably pays more than that to take professional pictures of them. It just seemed like a small, simple little thing. And not only did they tell this guy – fuck you, we're not going to do that. But they also fucked him in the industry. Yeah. I mean, you know, did he deserve all that? Just because he asked for something that, in my opinion, and again, opinions are opinions, 
um, you know, I don't think he was wrong by asking for something. You yeah. Know? Or, or at least put his name on it. Like, yeah, hey, this guy yeah. took this picture. Like, you know, again, I didn't read the article, so yeah. I just saw it. Yeah. But, like, that's some bullshit. Yeah, no, I, only, I brought it up yeah, because I'm more super early. with him yeah. on yeah. that one. I mean, I... I some kind of some kind of acknowledgement that the guy did the work, I think, was probably what he was more looking for. Like, look, I took the picture. Just let people know I took the picture. Did so they, I, like, completely not? As far as I know, his name's not on the ad at all. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. I think as far as I know, his name isn't on the ad that the, the clothing company then put out. Oh, that's a different story. Because, like, yeah. when I'm doing social media for, like, when, when I'm doing social media for, like, Legator, like, it's it's a big, like, point to, like, do your research and figure out who took this. Yeah. Because if you don't, then that's just a huge, like, it, it, long term, that's, a, that's not good mojo, especially, yeah. like, doing any artistic work yeah. at all. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, it's about building relationships, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, somebody does that. If this guy was a good enough photographer for them to want to take that photo and use it for advertising, wouldn't you want to build that relationship? Maybe they don't need it. Yeah. But wouldn't you want to build a relationship? Like, for me, I look at it, and I mean, I'm just a little guy. I'm nobody. Mm-hmm. I would see it and be like, damn, this guy's awesome. Like, let, you know, let's keep this guy in our pocket, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, just in I, case. I feel like there's a huge butterfly effect that a lot of people in the industry, period, seem to neglect. Like, so, say you might be, like, a small guy nowadays, but five years, seven years, eight years, like that bad business still is a pain point. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, th- so that photographer might be like the next corporate photographer for another like right. huge right. agency or label, like whatever he gets involved in, then like tables turn, like stories flip, the, the roles are reversed. You don't get to work. That clothing company doesn't get to work with artists that he helped build. Right. right. And I, I feel like that's a, a product of kind of the time we're in. Like, everything is so open and connected that it's very hard to hide one of those things. Like, as soon as somebody makes a post about something or somebody gets some kind of traction, like what he did with his video and that got attention, it, like you said, it's a butterfly effect. Everybody knows your business at this point. Yeah. Um, you can't hide that this is going on. Um, yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. Those, those things all connect, whether you want them to or not. I I thought it was interesting. And like I said, my main thing came back to um, somebody posted, well, you know, he did it for exposure. This is for exposure. It's like, if this is your job, you're not doing it for exposure. You're doing it to get paid. Right. Right. Well, and part of getting paid is exposure, building relationships and stuff like that. It's all connected. You know, like Mel said, you know, that contributes to your future. You know, you don't know who's going to be who. Mm -hmm. I mean, God damn, I'm so careful about what I say even on Facebook, like opinions about brands Mm because you don't want that to come back and bite you in the ass, you know? Yeah. That's true. The publication... They actually support a lot of bands because I actually work with them, and I know mm-hmm. the guy, and he's always very professional. So it's just kind of interesting that he did the video because for him it's not his full time job. This is something that he loves. So he was trying to make notice of so that people that do photography and that's their main source of income that they don't get screwed over. Yeah. Yeah. And he highlighted that that was one of his more important things because when he <coughs> discusses it he's all I'm a lawyer. I you know this is something that I it's I'm passionate about. Right. Versus this is my only income and this is how I generate everything that I live off of which some people do and that would suck if that happened to them where that's affecting their livelihood. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, like I said, that's that's why I thought of you, Mel, because uh, how much you do, 
how much you do and that's your main income. Like it, your main income is partly because of your photography and your videography. So somebody cutting that off because they used your thing and then you made a, you know, you asked for some kind of payment and they're like, no. And then that, you know, in turns affects how other artists may approach you next time or not approach you or things like that. Like it, it, I feel like that's a direct cause and effect of what this, this issue is. Well, if someone definitely were to try to cut me off of like something that is my passion, mm -hmm. in, in my mind, like music is the only thing I have to like really live for. Yeah. So if you're going to cut me off for that, like it's a flight or fight yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I'm going to try to figure out how to not, I wouldn't say eventually screw you over, but I, I would try to find a way to make sure that you don't get to do what you did to me, to other people. And I think that's what this is. I think this is a, a, a response to Arch Enemy. Uh, learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how long they've been in the game that they're still learning those lessons. Well, I think a <laughs> yeah, lot no, of it yeah. is with technology. A lot of bands are still learning what is right, what is wrong. Because if they really, the if the company was very, um, if they wanted to make sure that nothing was going wrong, why didn't they just ask the the photographer first? I right. do that if, especially if like a magazine wants to use a photo, I go to the publication or go to the photographer. Hey, so they're thinking about doing this. You know, they want to use some of your photos. What do you want to make sure that you know if they use it? What do you want? And then I let them know so that I can put in connection. Like, okay, this person wants a fee for using that photo, or they want credit, so that both parties are on the same page and just not like. Well, you used my photo. I didn't get anything out of yeah. it. Like, that's not right. Yeah. So, no, even with, like, NAM stuff, I worked with one of the guitar companies. They used a photo of Alexi. Mm -hmm. And I went to the photographer. Hey, they want to use this. What would you want yeah. in return yeah. for using it? What's what's your compensation or yeah. whatever you want to call? And that's that doesn't take much time yeah. to just go and ask yeah. for permission. Mm -hmm. It's I feel like in... This type of situation, it's better to ask instead of to do and ask for forgiveness because right. it's yep. it's going to be publicized even more if you're wrong. And at this time, people are remember when you do things wrong versus when you do things yeah. right. Yeah, I think the main there's, thing there's no um, retraction of well, they made sure that this person got this yeah. to, um, to retrify like what they did. Yeah, because because the main thing out of that is a screenshot goes a long way. Oh yeah, yeah. you know, and they can all with a screenshot. You're not allowed to be like, oh, well, this is the whole explanation. No, people are going to read it how they want to. Yeah. So if yeah. you are caught with your pants down, they're going to screwed. See, yeah, they're going to see that. Yeah. Yeah, people love finding the negativity in things, especially on social media. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, I think I feel like everybody goes to the immediate <coughs> negative context. Right. Yep. Like, I don't care what you read, it's immediately negative. Yep. Like, I forget which we were, what we were doing where it was somebody said hi and it was like, Motherfucker just said hi. Like, yeah, what does right. that mean? Oh What's God. that supposed to mean? People want to be upset so bad yeah. all the time. I mean, mm -hmm. and I, I can't even talk shit about everybody else because I do, instinctively <laughs> do it too. Like, yeah. I can't fucking believe they did that shit. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what, you what did you do? Wait a second. Wait a second. Hold on. I didn't read this whole thing. You know? <laughs> what did you do? Motherfucker said hi. Yeah, he said hi. Well, <laughs> they, I. <laughs> that just goes back to so many people not communicating effectively mm -hmm. in person. Mm -hmm. You look at just with our interactions, how certain people, they don't give you the chance and they are just like, oh, well, you're so-and-so, or you're just a girl. Yeah. I don't need to say hello to you. Mm -hmm. 
and people screw people realize after and they're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, doesn't take much to be, hey, how are you? I'm so and so. Yeah. Just it's being so cool. simple. Just being yeah. respectful, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So that's a thing. <laughs> that's a thing right now. Yeah. I've trained yes. myself like on like instant messaging or like DM or texting just to be like to try to be as nice as I can, unless you're like my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I mean friend, friend, like hang out with me. Cause if like I get to be like directly blunt, like yo, Jacob, that's wrong. Like mm-hmm. this is this is how like I wanted that thing to go, and if we don't get it by this time, that's it. And then like he's cool because he knows that in person I'm not gonna be like blunt and direct or like whatever. But if you're like someone I'm getting to know on the internet, I've learned that I don't know how you're gonna read. Hey, what's up? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Unlike or like yeah. yo or like whatever because. I don't know, like, if you know how I talk. Right. You know what I mean? And that's what, and like she was just saying, just what you just said right now can be taken a million different ways. It's like walking on eggshells. Yeah. yeah. People that, apply their own, you know, perspective tone. to things. Yeah. And, you know, how I interpret something could be different than you. Right. Or you or you mm-hmm. or you or anybody else. Nobody can see me pointing at everybody, but <laughs> everybody in the room. Hmm. But that's why, like, it was me with emails. Everybody's like, you always sound so, like, chipper and happy. It's all, I want to come off that way because you have the per- one person who, having a bad day, they take something incorrectly. Yep. And they read between the lines and it's like, no, that's not. Yep. So I am very you when you read my emails, I'm very much, Hey, how are you doing? I want to reach out to you about this. Yeah. You know, make sure this, 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 that. If you need have any questions, let me know. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm more than happy to talk to you. But not that everybody thinks about that and they don't know how to write professionally versus mm-hmm. with emotion and yeah. that can be taken differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So moving on, <laughs> um, Mel. Let's get to a couple things because you just you guys both both you and Jacob just came off the uh, in Ghost tour. Yeah, the, and uh, the Gravity tour, the Gravity, gravity tour. tour. <laughs> yeah, and uh, would you guys say that was uh, a successful outing for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And uh, you guys were going in. Uh, there were a couple other bands on the tour, wasn't there? No, it was, it just, was us. just us. It was every, just you guys. Yeah, every other date was just local local support for sure. So um, I kind of found it fascinating that. You know, we're at a time where it feels like it's getting harder and harder to get people to come out to shows. Uh-huh. How, how do you guys feel like that response was when you guys were outside of California? Like, inside Southern California especially, I feel like there's 40 events every day. Oh, every yeah. day there's something going yeah, on. Yeah. Even the day we were there, it was four other there's, shows going on. Yeah. Something like that. Like, same, like, 10-mile, <coughs> yeah. 7-mile radius. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, getting out of Southern California, how do you feel like you guys were received um, on a, on, a, on a regular night, it was pretty mixed. To be honest, it, it depended on both the venue, the promoter, and the bands uh, involved. Because mm-hmm. there would be a lot of times where you know the promoter was on top of it, the venue was on top of it, promotion was on top of it. The the supporting acts were all like, "Hey guys, come out to the show," mm-hmm. and there would be there would be packed out shows. Mm-hmm. But in the 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 one eighty of that, where they would just book the show and not do anything with it, and then we would basically be just playing to the staff, sure, because Nobody did their job, you know. So it was really just, it was really hit and miss. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, people that were there received us really well, okay, which was good. And then you know, just building like he's like kind of going back to what happened before with the whole butterfly effect thing, just building that rapport, building those relationships with both the venue, with the bands in support. Like whether it's a good or a bad night, just mm-hmm. make a good impression. Yeah, we'll bring you back for sure. I think. 
the biggest thing that hit to me was not necessarily this tour, but uh, the first run within Ghost when we primarily did stuff in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. To answer your question is when we went outside of Cali, the people who went to the shows, bands or fans or staff, <coughs> were so happy to be involved in whatever it was the show that night mm-hmm. because they don't get that or those shows like that of that genre with those people mm-hmm. like post hardcore or gent or metalcore yeah few and far between yeah like uh the show that stuck out to me was the one that we played in ohio with the bunny the bear and that yeah. was like the the sold out show there that was cool because like it says sold out because we we sold the ticket cap like people came in waves, okay. So it wasn't like a packed, packed right. house, right? But the thing that stuck out to me is that, like, every band was there early, mm. greeted us because we were the touring band. Oh wow, that's interesting. But the the thing that was more interesting to me is that the local support were from different states. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. so that means these dudes drove out from. It was in Ohio. <laughs> there was a band from Jersey. Oh there. Jesus! Yeah, there was like a band from uh, what's it called. I think one of the members lived in New York, and then it's it's more common, I guess, to have multi-state mm-hmm. like local support who are just dudes who are just hungry, and then there were people there for them, which was so they they drove they out their, from wherever yeah. they were coming yeah. from. That's crazy. And such a difference between that and then L.A. I mean, you know, you play around here, you can't get your best friends to drive ten feet down the exactly, street yeah. to go to a show. So like the it's our L.A. versus day. OC. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like that has a lot to do with just like you were saying, like with with the scene where you know here in California, like you were saying, that like there's forty shows a night. Like mm-hmm. we're spoiled out here, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. Well, that's why actually the point I was going to bring up is I feel like Southern California. Music listeners or, or or concert goers are very spoiled. Mm-hmm. We're very used to enough options where you almost get defeated. You almost get that like, oh god, there's so many things I have to go to. I'm just gonna stay home. Yeah, yeah, spoiled. I, I could even go so far as to say some are jaded to it. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think we've like, I think we've talked about that on the I, podcast yeah, multiple times. Have. Yeah. I think um, it was Mike from uh, the other guitarist from Ingos who brought it up, where it's like. Being a band nowadays, it's like your competition isn't other local bands or other bands from other states. Your competition now is, you know, Facebook, mm-hmm. Netflix, mm-hmm. Hulu. Yeah. Like, that's what you have to, like, pull people away from, like, to come to your shows. Right. Which is, like, such a, like, interesting, like, I think it's such a weird, interesting mentality coming. Like, I was talking to him on the way here. Like, we've been slingshotted from different regions, different scenes, and, like, since I travel a lot for URM, I'm injected in a lot of different music scenes, like, the Colorado music scene, like, I got to, like, talk to a lot of producers from out there, and Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that I've noticed that's kind of regional to just Cali, it's more so, like, I mean, this isn't specifically, it's, like, high, highly saturated communities of music, Mm -hmm. where bands kind of feel like an odd sense of competition mm-hmm. over collaboration okay. mm-hmm. in their area. Yep. Like something that I found that was like when I was driving and this, like when my epiphany in my mind started like churning, I was, Mike came to visit me in town and we were doing like a two day run, Arizona and then slide bar. And like, mind you, like sometimes slide bar sound isn't like the most opportune for me, so I was just kind of like, like low key complaining about the sound, and I was like, "Oh, this venue, it's it's okay." Like I was I was downplaying it, and I was talking to Mike about it, and then like it was it was just like a 
seven minute drive from my house. And then yeah. Mike like slaps me. And he's like, dude. Yeah. This is this place is sick. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. this place is so close to you. Like you don't you don't get it. And then when I visited Mike and I stayed at his house a couple of days after tour, I got it. Like just for him to drive to like a Jiffy Lube was like a forty five minute oh, drive. Jesus. Yeah. Like it was like a huge ordeal for him to just get like his oil checked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can walk and push my car to get yeah, my yeah, oil yeah, checked yeah, down. Yeah. The- yeah. Even, like, even the whole thing of being like down the street from Chain Reaction, like to us, it's just like it's, it's just right chain, there. Right. But you know, going on the East Coast, people are like, you guys played at Chain Reaction. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like uh, I forget of, how big yeah. of how big of a deal it is to the rest of the world. It's like people be like, how was it there? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you do that? Like, like you know, all I can do is complain about the stupid wall. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And, a lot of places yeah. back east, or with people, they go to shows and they'll go to about two to three a night, mm-hmm. yeah. just because like if you're going to into New York. You have to pay the fee to go in, mm-hmm. so you're gonna pay you know X amount to go in and out. So why are you just gonna go for one band, one show? A lot of them will go to multiple shows, or if they're going from New York to the Bronx yeah. or to, to Brooklyn, you know, a lot of them they're like, we go to a several at night. Like we'll stay, we'll make sure that we talk to everybody, and they're like, you guys, can't. they'll come over here for shows, and they're like, wait, like why isn't there nobody here? You know, mm-hmm. all of us are so used to because Frank from. Metal, um, um, Meek is murder. Yeah. He was just like, I go to several shows a night, and you're just like, oh, but it's because you can't, it's not as accessible um, over there as it is over here, just because there's not as much parking. You know, a lot of them will take the subway in, so it's so you're very there. different. What? If you're there, you're gonna go get as much. Mm-hmm. As you can out of your visit mm-hmm. versus here, where okay, we're gonna go to one show. Okay, that's enough. Like, if I go to two shows, people are like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, no, like, I have to go see an artist, so I pointed out, okay, you know, they're playing this time, so I'm going to stay from, like, this time to this time. Then drive all the way across to, like, a different show and then watch them and then end that night over there. And it's not as, it's not normal over here. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just the one show, mm-hmm. you just stay there. Mm-hmm. Or maybe just one band. Right. Bands. I felt like people out there like really treasured like how you're saying like how people treated show going like the bands there treated like oh we get to play a show yeah this is sick Mm -hmm. and then like I didn't really hear that much complaining about like even like pre-sale and stuff like that out there Mm -hmm. either which is like an interesting thing to me I might be wrong it might be just the people in the promotion companies that Um, we dealt with we can get into that we can get we can get into the pre-sale thing I think that'll be another that'll be a whole nother podcast that we can get into (laughs) yeah Um, but we'll we'll get there um, but yeah, I, I asked because, like I said, it like kind of what Jacob said is you're fighting so many other elements now that mm-hmm. I wanted to see how the two of you coming back to Southern California, how going out and seeing you know a different element of not having to fight with forty shows per night, and how you guys felt about about doing that. So I mean, that's that's an interesting it's an interesting perspective. Um, I feel definitely at least coming back here like way more humbled and way more grateful mm-hmm. to be in play in mm-hmm. California mm-hmm. than I did because the I guess the biggest difference is we're fill-in members to be touring members of that band and it's not the band isn't rooted in California right so when we came out to play here it was this weird like 
haven't established the fan base in a place that we grew up at. Yeah, kind of yeah, a weird like, duality. Yeah. Well, it, w- it was really cool, though, being at that show and just seeing all the people that's like, oh, like, I love you guys because of these bands you were in, so I'm going to support you guys no matter sure. what. Sure. Sure. Which was really cool. Sure. Even beyond, you know, just the normal friends that we have. It's like there I, I was really surprised myself, like even being with Asylus as long as we've been with them, like going to these shows is like, Oh, I love you because of Asylus, so no matter what you're gonna do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you. it. And like that to me was really like you said, like really humbling because it's just like I never expected that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. That's cool. I feel like it's time to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a safe bet. To move I think on. it's a time time to move on. We're going to go on to our second segment, which we call "Okay, <coughs> Stu- Stupid." Now, what this is, it's five questions picked randomly on a, a dating site. You can guess which oh, one lovely. that is. Uh, but we apply them to musicians, and so you take oh, no. uh, you know whatever whatever date question you would ask and answer, and you apply it to a musician context. So we're going to start with you, Jacob. Oh boy. You ready? Ready as I'll ever be. (laughs) Ready as I'll ever be. So the question originally is, describe your perfect mate in one sentence. So what's your perfect bandmate in one sentence? (sighs) Okay. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Mel's Mel's like, you better fucking save me. Mel Mel just hung you on this podcast. (laughs) I just cuddled up to him. Mel Mel cuddled up to him. One sentence? You mean one word. (laughs) (laughs) It better be three letters. How about one name? (laughs) Okay, one one sentence. Let me th- let me think about this one. I'll try and condense everything down to one sentence. Let's okay. see. Because what I've no- I-, I might elaborate a little bit more on this, but from what I've noticed, like just being in my experience, is I think the biggest thing definitely is just someone who gets not so much the musical aspect, but more so the business aspect. Okay. Because in my experience, I've learned like you can teach a guitar part, you can teach a harmony, you can teach a drum pattern, but you can't really teach a work ethic. Oh, that, oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. That's a good so one. So that's the, that is my like the ideal bandmate is someone who is more so uh, business minded and is willing to learn parts more so than someone who is already musically talented or like prodigy status. But you but, can't work with. But them. you can't work with them. Oh, that's a good one. That is a damn good answer. That is a really good answer. We're done. No, we're done. I'm going to yeah, end it there. You can't, it. You can't build up anything. All right. Good night. Okay. Okay. Just put ready? that on repeat for the rest of the podcast. It's <laughs> stupid. We're good. Okay. Ready? So the next question originally is, what's the stupidest thing you've ever done for love? What's the stupidest thing you've ever done for a band? Uh, that's a great question. Okay. Okay. Fun story. This uh, so <laughs> story time. <laughs> this, I think I think this is Where's pretty. Looking back, I thought this was pretty stupid. Oh, there we go. So, one of the first bands I was in when I was really young and naive, um, the vocalist had signed us on for a show. This pretty big like comeback show for uh, uh, I forgot what the name of the band was, but he was like, "Yeah, it's gonna be at the Glass House. It's gonna be really good." And I was like, "Okay, yeah. Like, well, what's the, what's the deal?" He's like. Oh, uh, 60 pre-sale. It's oh, like, shit. You know, when you're a band like two months in with no fan base, it's oh, like, how, how do you expect us to do that, man? Come on. He's like, no, we'll do it, man. We'll do it. And then like... How many members? Uh, five. So 12 tickets per 12 member. 12 tickets per member, right. And long story short, the night before the show, the drummer, basically everybody in the band was like, we're not doing this. Wait, was this a Southern Lights show? This was the Southern oh. Lights show. This was the Southern Lights show. I was like, show. I think I this know was, this show. It was, definitely was. So, actually, I missed a part. So, I was in two bands at this time. 
Oh, no. Right. And my band was offered this show, and the other band stole it without <laughs> telling us. Like, they, they, he reached out to the promoter and was like, hey, I'm representing this band. And like, I'm, I'm with Jacob. The band, name, the band name you have on the flyer is wrong. It's supposed to be this name. Oh. And I was like, dude, fuck. not cool. Wow. Not cool. Fuck. So, night before the show, he hits me up. He's like, dude, I'm not going to go to the show tomorrow. Like, everything fell apart. I don't want to do this. And basically, one by one, every band member said the exact same thing. And I was like, what are you guys doing? And so, long story short, I, I told the promoter, like, it's like, yo, like, I, I, this whole thing just blew up in my face. I'm really yeah. sorry. And he's just like, well, I still need the, the pre-sale yeah. money or something. Yeah. And so I basically had to go to everybody's house, which, mind you, they all lived in different areas. One was in Downey. One was in Buena Park. One was in Montebello. One was in, I think, somewhere in L.A. And the show was in Pomona. Yeah. Right? So I had to go around, scrape up whatever money we had. Uh. We ended up coming short, like, a couple hundred dollars. And the promoter just looked at me and was like, yo, dude, like, no worries at all. Technically speaking, your name isn't on the contract. Oh. Because the vocalist was the one who oh. went behind my back and did this show. So he's like, you're, you're clear. If you want to come in and enjoy the show, you can. But by that point, I was like, I'm done with I'm this done. I, don't I, don't I just with went home. I don't want to deal with sleep. Wow. So that band fell apart overnight. And then that guy got screwed over. I don't remember what happened to him. I think he, he had to like scrape together another couple hundred bucks and play another pre-sale show for him to make up for it. But it was... Oh my gosh! That's it was rough. yeah. It was it was that's quite rough. A, yeah. That's that's yeah. pretty fucking dumb. <laughs> long, yeah. Jeez. Well, no, without without saying that band didn't last much. Clearly, long yeah. Well, clearly, I, you're I, here with Mel, so yeah. it didn't last that much, that long. Okay. So <clears throat> next question. This one. This one's an easy one. I don't have to modify this one at all. Mm-hmm. What is a piece of advice you often give but find yourself struggling to follow? Believe in yourself. That's short and sweet. <laughs> short and sweet. Yeah. That was, that was. It's funny because I just had this conversation with a friend of mine like last night because she's she's trying to she's an aspiring photographer as well and she, and it's just like I've I've struggled so long with this whole thing. It's like yeah, believe in yourself, just do what you can, and like everything will follow. And it's just like for like a good solid five years of being in the music industry, it's just like that was something I couldn't even do myself. It's like I didn't really believe in myself. I had like people in the back of my mind like being ex bandmates or even family members. Just like it's like no, you're not good enough. You're wasting your time. Like this isn't like what you're meant to be doing and it's just like now I think with everything that's happened in this last year and even last year it's just like no like that's not true like yeah I can do this like yeah. I've I've been able to do this for so long and it's just like and things are finally starting to reap results and it's just like why would I stop now yeah clearly you're you know? doing something right yeah and it's like now that I've been saying it for so long it's like I'm finally starting to like really actually believe what I'm saying and the whole thing is like yeah just believe in yourself and just go for it okay I, I can't argue with that. It's hard to argue with that. Uh, <laughs> we're going to cut it to four for each just because we have so many people on the podcast and there's a few things I want to get to on these questions that I, I think are interesting. So... I'm nervous. Yeah, I know. I, I got a good one for you. That's why. She's <laughs> saving the good ones. What, would, what should someone know about your band that you think nobody would ask? Hmm, that's a good question. What is something that nobody would ask regularly that you want them to know about either your band or let's, let's keep it bright. How about your musical experiences? Something you you're you you're not used to answering about your musical experience. That is a great question. I have to think about that one. Huh. I don't really know actually. I might have to come back to that one. Okay. Think about that one for a bit. Okay. 
All right, then. We'll come back to you for that one, then. All right. Okay. Mel, we're up to you now. You ready? Hi. I'm on my elbows. You can't see. But <laughs> I'm ready on my no elbows. No turds coming out today. See, this is a tough one because you, ha- you have so many, like, you can answer this in, in, in so many facets. In one sentence, what is your biggest concern right now? Um... What am I going to do in two minutes? Oh, because <laughs> uh, he's got a poop. Post unclenching. Um, that would be a Bite concern. the pillow, you're going dry? <laughs> bite the mic, <laughs> in, in this sense. Wait, so the, the question was again, what, what am I concerned about in doing one, next? In one sentence, what are you the most concerned about? Taxes. <laughs> like, like, that's a good that's point. That's like a... I went freelance this year, like completely. So just jumping into whatever that was, or yeah. whatever the the craziness is, and just getting uh, self-employed by TurboTax and all this stuff, <laughs> just like trying to figure out how I'm really going to organize this and the massive amount of receipts that I lost. That that's a that's a legit question. That's well, a legit that's a answer, especially since the new um, tax laws go into effect, and I think with. Is it for the freelance or for yeah. they changed a ton of them and didn't the deduction get higher or lower? I'm, I'm the not sure. There's some like when I went for the taxes, my guy was telling me that it's going to be affected for this coming year, that the amount of write offs are not. Oh, I'm oof. pretty sure I could be wrong. Big oof. But yeah, <laughs> so Mel's to moving to Europe. Is yeah, that's so, dude, that's not any well, better. We'll listen. get it back. <laughs> so that you're kind of aware and you know what you can put down. They don't know what they can write off and what entails to being like your personal brand. Like you'd be yeah. surprised at what you can write off. The the cool part is that the, what kind of put the sinking feeling in my, my chest is I got this little email from Sweetwater, which I thought was really thoughtful. I was really just going to bring that up yeah. right now. I was just going to bring that up. so cool. Yeah. These guys were looking out. Yeah. They're like, yo, you, if you buy any last minute shit, you can write it off in your taxes. Like, it's okay. Because I, I, I think like many musicians who probably listen to this, like, just kind of went into it and like all hippie status, like, yeah, let's just do it. It's yeah, fun. Yeah. It's great. This is awesome. And then just there's a whole like facet of this, like... Everything in this room could probably have. Well, it's a write-off. It's something that you're using for your business. Yeah. Same thing, like earplug, or if you get earplugs, technically it's for your hearing. You're protecting your your mm-hmm. assets, your skills. That can be something. Um, different mics there. If especially if you're doing a studio. Yeah. You can write that off because it's for your business, and at the end of the day, most bands they're going to be at a death or. You're working deficit, deficit yeah. so you can write it off. It just you need to make sure that you have the right paperwork mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that it's okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, even sometimes yeah. clothes too. Yeah. Any, clothes, anything that you could use that brand, generates money, money. Yeah. you can write off. Yeah. The only now the only problem is obviously you have to be a band that generates money. Right. Yeah. If you're not generating any money, it's it, that's yeah. what it is. But uh, I know with some of them, with certain you know. Certain businesses, you're going to be operating at a loss the first couple of years, so mm-hmm. I think they take that into consideration. But if it's always at a deficit, they might get a like a red, like a red, red flag. flag. Yeah. But you know, especially if you're just starting a business and you're writing off like the different cabs, because if you're recording somebody, it's one of your tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a fun one for you. The question is: Have you ever laughed so hard that you peed your pants? Have you ever played so hard that you peed your pants? Um, 
No, but uh, because I've, def- I've definitely, but, I've definitely almost shit, shit myself while I was playing once. There's a like <laughs> you have to. Dude, I, fuck, dude. <laughs> like, I'm not even gonna go there right now. <laughs> I feel like like my trademark faces would say that peeing is the wrong word. Gotcha. I mean, it's, it's the shitting. Yeah, it's the like, shitting that you're scared of, especially when you like do that snare drum knuckle. Rim shot. Oh. And, like, <laughs> and then, like, every. It's a pain I never want to know. <laughs> yeah, every nerve in your body says, Yeah, I just poop right now. <laughs> just let, just it, let it go. go. Let it go. Just drop it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It is hot. What's. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, what's one song you can really relate to? Uh, uh, just, hmm. it's, it's hard to say one song. Okay. I, I feel like. If you, like, go to, like... Maybe I was just really sensitive back in 2008, but, like, a lot of the songs, like, in 2008, Say Sin, like... Or even, like, Mayday Parades and stuff from 2012? Less than 11. Event. Oh, that was 2007. 2007? Yeah. Wow. I'm really bad with dates. Yeah. Don't take me on one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, just anything that's, like, really sad and sensitive. I think I'm just, like... That's why I do music, because I'm sad and sensitive. I, I don't have, like, a song. Specifically? I, like, you don't default uh, to a song? What what song do I default to? I feel like I do that, and I don't think about it. Jersey. Jersey? Really? Because it just got colder. It just got colder? <laughs> well, anything off that album, really. Oh, that album is beautiful. Yeah. Just, just Jason sings in such a way that he makes me He sings to my soul. <laughs> yeah, he, sing, he sings to the sad boy in me. Okay, so last last one for you, and then we'll move on to Larry. Since oh since you do so since you do so much, like you really do do a lot. What is one job that you could never do? Because uh, I feel like you you dominate like, gr- in graphics. So- oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> graphics. Right. That's why I'm here. That's why I take that I'm, I'm, I, I actually am a firm believer that like if it comes naturally to me, do it. If you can YouTube it and it doesn't look like oh my god, why am I YouTubing this? Mm-hmm. Do it. But okay. if it's, like, something that's, like, beyond the scope of my understanding, just get someone else to do it because you're going to hate yourself more than you already do. Yeah. And, like, it's answered in the previous question. I hate myself a lot, so. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Okay, moving on to Larry. You ready? This yeah. is going to be, I think this is the first time you've done Okay Stupid, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you already don't like it. Man. All right. Well, I'll, I'll keep it soft for you then, okay? Jeez. We'll keep it. You're, you're we'll, so sweet. We'll keep it flat. We'll keep it flat. Half mass. I'll spit first. <laughs> a little bit. Just, just a little bit. Just so, uh, what are okay? This is actually a good one for you because we're such massive gear nerds. Oh God, yeah. What are two of your bucket list items? Oh, that could change daily. Though. I know, like, right? Again, you sent me one last oh, night yeah. already. As I sit in your uh, cab-filled room here. <laughs> Uh, what did I send you last night? The, the new Schecter. I don't know if that's a bucket list thing, but that was pretty nice. <laughs> um, I don't know. You've got some bucket list guitars I've, yeah, already. You've gotten rid of gu- yeah. fucking bucket list guitars. I've moved through a few Strandbergs and stuff, and I still, I still have, I still have the one. I love Strandberg. I, I'd have to say the actual like because the ones that I had, like I had the one that was uh, Korea, and then. Uh, the the OS seven okay seven. I had that one because that one's made in Korea mm-hmm. so I mean even though it's Strandberg you know like Ibanez and all those other companies they come from other production shops right I'd have to say like the either the American made ones or mm-hmm. one of the Swedish ones the ones that are like neck through like the ones that you see at Nam that yeah. are like five G's like 
those guitars. That's one. So that's one bucket those, list. Those are amazing. And uh, <clears throat> man, I don't know. Like like amp wise, I'm pretty set. I don't really have my eyes set on anything amp wise. I'm pretty happy with the axe effects, unless. It was a three, and even at that, I'm still kind of like, I don't think that's ever I don't necessary think we're, yeah. for any human. I don't think we're going to know what that looks like until we go to Nam and get it well, in front of us. And So, without going too deep, the guy that... <laughs> too deep. Uh, the guy that I got the, the two XL Plus from had the three, so I played oh, with it for a while. nice. Ooh, I know my other uh, uh, thing is a, a Skirvison guitar, because that guy oh. had the Raptor 6. Those are and gorgeous. no guitar has been the same since then. That he had the 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 Scurve, the Raptor Six, mm-hmm. and then uh, he had the Axfx Three, playing through two uh, of the Friedman uh, powered monitors. Jesus, like, I, he he was a, an older dude, middle aged dude, and, uh, just with amazing gear. And so the Axfx Three, I mean, it's an Axfx, and I know you're going to argue all day long. No, I, 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 <laughs> uh, I, I, we've gone over like I I understand the uses now more right. than that I did say. When we started this podcast, right? Um, I definitely understand more the applications and and how it can get used. But I got into this argument with uh, Miles about it, right? Where it, you know, Axe Effects and Kemper. If that's all you're taking on the road, and you're hoping that the PA is good, PA might not be good at every venue you go to. It won't be good at every so, venue. Yeah. So I, I get it though. I get it. Relatable, but so yeah. So the uh, so the uh, the Raptor, one of the. Uh, one of the uh, Skirvison Raptors, and then probably one of those high, high-end Strandbergs, because, you know, once you play a Strandberg, you really don't go back. I don't care it's if you hard. don't like the way it's it looks. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Once you feel that neck, yeah. it's tough. It's even on the, you know, the uh, the classic is considered the affordable model, and that shit's fucking amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, those two. Okay. Uh, this might be a little bit more relatable to you. Do you have any pet peeves for bandmates in your band? Ones that don't practice, that hmm. that show up to practice arrogant that they didn't practice. Oof. Oh, yeah, oof. big yeah. oof. Yeah, right, and I won't go any deeper on that. I'll just leave it okay. right there. Okay, <laughs> pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. <laughs> quick, quick and easy answer. Self-explanatory um, oof. Yeah, <laughs> it hurts my soul to say that out loud, but that's real. So essentially, uh, touring is a road trip. Right. Um, if you were to go on an extended tour, where would you like to go? East Coast. Families from back east, and you know, just I hear a lot of good things about you know East Coast stuff, and and, and uh, I mean, you guys have probably been back there, so can you confirm, yeah. So I mean, you know, we talk about you know L.A. and California all the time, oversaturated. And I don't know if New York or any of those places are the same way, but East Coast for sure. Okay, I mean, families from back east, there's good food back there. Got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Else. Okay. Last question because uh, I feel like this is going to be a good one to end on. What is the what is oh this is this is interesting. What do you hate most about modern music? I should have had this one for you. I, I I'm getting deep into like the two hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> there's that many questions on there, huh? Oh, there's five hundred <laughs> questions. So we're there's no wow. way we're gonna run out of questions. Uh, wow. And each time I can I can reword it to apply it to different. Pretty things. much for for me and and this does, it's really hard to say because it doesn't apply to every single band. It doesn't apply to everyone. But I think a lot of people are trying to be like someone who's out already, you know, and I'll use periphery as an example. Everybody wants to be periphery in one way, shape or form somehow, or, you know, everybody wants to be, you know, for the, the prog snobs and the prog group, dude, that everybody's always talking about like, um, uh, King Crimson, you know, stuff like that. Everybody wants to be that band. Sure. Like that. And for me, it's just like, I get there's, there's influences and maybe it's interpretation, but Mm. it's like, how about, you know, 
just pick up your guitar and play stuff and see what happens, you know? Let's, let's expound on that because I think that's a really interesting idea. Right. Um, especially having somebody who does, like I said, multifacets. Like you said with Periphery, everyone wants to be Periphery. Right. Whether it comes to their gear, their right. guitars, their tones, their mixing, right. their marketing. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be that. Now, to get deep into that, is that because their formula works? Or do you think that's more because there's nothing new? Well, yes and no. I think it's because their formula worked for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really hard to find yourself, especially when, you know, and again, stop me if I'm wrong, but especially when there's, you know, it's not the 80s anymore. A lot of what we're doing, it's really hard to be new mm-hmm. now. You know, it's, you know, you've got to really try to be new almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I just think... Uh, yeah, I kind of lost my uh, train of thought there, but you know, then their their formula works for them, you know, and it worked for them, and everybody wants to be them, use their gear, or you know, or uh, same thing, you know. I mean, you could name any number of people, Tosin, you know, a bunch of people picking up thumping because it worked for him. Right? It's like, come on, man, you're not doing it he, yeah. just because he did something new yeah, doesn't mean did. you have to replicate. <laughs> so it. find something new. Sure. But how do you find something new? What's left? Right. I mean, you know, how many more strings are we going to slap on a guitar? Right. You know, how many more ways are you going to play a guitar? Mm. I mean. I keep saying that, and then um, and I can't remember the kid's name, but uh, uh, Stone Age picked him up. Um, man, I don't remember what his name is, but he was playing the guitar like real weird, like with all these artificial harmonics mm-hmm. and everything like that. And I'm like, dude, that's fucking crazy. Right? That shit's new. It's you pushing know? the envelope a little bit. But I, again, I, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I'm a mediocre musician at yeah. best. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and, you know, we're not going to get into I'm how not good pioneering you are. anything we're not here today. <laughs> so let's let's open up the question. What do you guys think? Do you think that because um, what are you? What are you guys' issue with modern music? Let's start with that. Jacob, anything? I mean, my personal thing. I I'm not a huge fan of overproduced music. Sure. Like I know I can understand why it's a thing, mm-hmm. but in my mind, like if a like because I I find it a lot with like pop music or even like a lot of music coming out. Like mm-hmm. if the singer is already good enough. Why put a filter on him? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like definitely. I've seen a lot of musicians, like, like for example, Panic at the Disco. Like, Brendan is a phenomenal vocalist, but even he still uses tuning. And sure. like, there's a lot of parts in that new record where it's very evident that it's tuned, mm-hmm. and it's like, why? Or even like AFI just put out a new EP, just like five songs, and it's really, really tuned, mm-hmm. and yeah. it kind of ruins the the music for me because I already know that Davey Havoc's a great vocalist, sure, but for some reason this. This EP that they just put out, it's so tuned. I don't know if that's the sound they were going for, mm-hmm. but just to me, it's like it kind of almost ruins the 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 emotion behind his voice because it just puts it on the grid and it's just like it's it's too precise. It sounds yeah, it just sounds too perfect. Like I feel like that's what I liked about music back in the day, whereas that there was the wiggle room. It's like there's those little imperfections that made it music that made it feel human and you know what's funny in a weird way as as i've gotten older the records that i tend to go back to are where those imperfections are very obvious Mm -hmm. because if they become more interesting like oh like that note is just slightly enough Mm -hmm. out of out of key or just you're just out of the way enough like that's interesting that you left that in Mm -hmm. more than like four bars of a perfect chorus exactly yeah what seemingly was a a fuck up is like printed in your brain as yeah. what it is and then you know you see them live and it's like 
but he didn't do that weird little thing right yeah. there, you know, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. like, it's just, it's, it's part yeah. of it. Definitely. Like, even, like, even look back at like some of those like old, like punk bands from back in like, you know, like Blink-182 or Green Day, like that, when they first started, like they didn't care how it sounded, they just wrote the music. Right. It was just the, whatever yeah, they recorded. Yeah, you know, you had like Tom DeLonge, like just like, doing his thing on mm-hmm. the records and it just worked mm-hmm. you know but you could tell like I mean granted that band was more of like a like not, I don't want to say a joke but like you know they didn't take themselves as seriously sure. as those bands did sure. but you know people found people resonated with it see I think I think what you're what you're getting into is something that uh, we've kind of touched on before <laughs> where you can only get so produced with music right. you can only reach a production level where it's like uh, I made a post a few weeks ago about somebody saying that they can't listen to early 2000s metal because their guitars don't sound anything like the w- the way they do oh, now. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, and my thing was is uh, like you're you're talking about a certain time, a certain uh, snapshot of time where that's what things sounded like. Like technology mm-hmm. has pr- has progressed, uh, ears have progressed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also a huge building block, right? For what yeah. is um, the sound of today. You know, it's funny because like I find myself saying the opposite, like. A lot of modern guitar, like especially the way with like with Gent, where it's very just like heavily choppy, edited. heavily mm-hmm. edited, heavily chopped, heavily compressed. It's just like I don't like it. Yeah, nah, you know, well here, here and there, but you know, yeah, yeah, and that's and that's my thing is is there's a weird spot now where we're reaching a point where before in the early '90s up to like you know mid 2000s, everybody was using the 5150 tone. Mm-hmm. Now it's becoming everybody's using Axe Effects mm-hmm. or, yeah. or Kemper or whatever because it's easier or it's faster or whatever whatever adjective you want to put in there that makes the job easier mm-hmm. for the eventual producer. Right. Um, that's the answer. Mm-hmm. And not everything should be easy. Not everything yeah. should be just. Well, even even going back to how we were talking about like. Just doing the same thing over and over. Even with the Kemper, I feel like everybody uses just the same like. It's like, oh, I have a Kemper, but I'm gonna make it sound like a five fifty one fifty anyway. Right, yeah. You know, well, I mean, that's the whole premise behind the Kemper. I mean, and see, and that's why I got rid of mine because mm-hmm. you know I I enjoyed it, and, and I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna sit here and deny that tubes sound fucking great. Yeah. You know, but you know, like Miles had said, it's not always practical. Yeah. I mean, especially for me at home, I got two kids and a wife that it's just gonna annoy the shit out exactly. of them. And there's you know wanking cranking a hundred watt amp that yeah. you can't you know turn down without a thing but i got rid of the uh the kempers because i mean you had to profile you know and which is great you know i mean if you want to try to copy that tone but if you're gonna try to copy the tone why don't you just to get, get the, the tone fucking amp, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh with the aspects it has similarities i mean you know for for me i'm using the the Freyet 60 whatever in there and mm-hmm. i never even played on one of those i don't give a fuck it just sounded good through whatever cab sim that i have and then i manipulate it from there mm-hmm. um so I think that makes more sense than than the Kemper. I love the Kemper. I got the big reason I got the Kemper is because it was the closest thing to a tube sound. But then sure. sitting here and Mark's voice in the back of my head, why would you get this? If you just have a tube. <laughs> Fuck that. Fucking right, you know. And well, I forget who who posted something, but one of the three of us posted something about uh, some. Right now, there's somebody running a Kemper with a. Yeah, uh, a Kemper fifty-one fifty profile through a fifty-one fifty. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, and, and, and you know what? There's a lot of bands that do that. Big bands mm-hmm. that that use it for the preamp and then use the actual amps for everything else. Right, and then they do nothing. I saw a Treyu two weeks ago, and I seen I seen Dan's uh, Kemper off to the side, and there's nothing else on the stage. Well, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's what that's for. Yeah, yeah. you know. I, I think like this conversation made me realize how much of a not engineer I am, but more of like a songwriter yeah. or like producer. Not saying like, oh, look at me, I'm a producer. But I'm thinking more like, I think 
when I found like one tone I liked, I kept on it. That was it. And that was it. That's mm-hmm. like yeah. the thing that I used over and over. And then I was like, I had more fun writing songs because I wasn't worried about tone searching. Yeah. Gain mm-hmm. stage. And, sure. And like, if I were to go back, I'd probably just double down on like, not on songwriting and then like having someone who was like that tone guy. It's a like, pit of despair. Yeah, it it's abso- a pit it of absolutely. Despair, especially with the axe effects, you know, you got 15, and we've talked about this on other podcasts, so I'll just stay away from it. You got 15 pages of knobs you can fucking it's turn. It's so overwhelming. It's, it's like, too much. To me, I can't, I, I have such a like, not hard time, but like, oh, this sounds good. Oh, this sounds good too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I, like There's, the, the well is endless. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. I, like when you pass by my place, I have like an orange, like I have an orange amp. I had like an Eggnator. I had I had a Mesa, mm-hmm. and then like I use the JST stuff, like yeah. just because I work with them. And then like I realized like I never like wanted to plug that amp in, yeah, just because yeah. maybe I'm lazy. Maybe uh, I just wanted to write. You know? <laughs> I think I think you ended up find like you usually like you found a voice that worked and you moved forward. You're like that works done. Yeah, you know. That works. Let's go work but on something else. But then I realized, else. like, and that bottlenecked me into writing music that was that music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I like didn't write like low gain pop punk stuff sure. naturally. Like I plug in my out. guitar and it just wouldn't sound like it. So yeah. I didn't want to write that music. Yeah. And then it was such a such a weird trip because now I feel like I have to restart or just hang out with him. <laughs> has, like that amp set up already. And yeah. Then I just plug it. Yeah. Tone dictates what you write for. Yeah. Absolutely. For me. Absolutely. Um, with Dawn of Eternity is one style different than like Unscarred. Of course. Or, uh, you know, for, you know, I'm playing with Inhuman Atrocities, that's even more different. Right. And what I like to play, you know, technically on the side is even more tight and punchy than that. So mm-hmm. the, the reason the Axe Effects is real beneficial to me is, you know, I've got a setup for Dawn of Eternity. i got a setup for Inhuman Atrocities, mm-hmm. for rhythms and leads. I've got a setup for just what I like to do. And, you know, or if I'm doing little cover stuff at home, for, for that reason, you know, mm-hmm. if you, you throw in something, if I throw in something bluesy, dude, I'm going to wank on that shit yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. All day, I'm yeah. not even gonna look at high gain, mm-hmm. you know. So that, that's it. But you if go you go down the rabbit hole, that the voice is speaking to you, right? Exactly. It's, it's, so, it's so interesting because it just you get like I, I don't know if it's just because you listen to that music or if you're listening to that music back then, your your brain gets inspired in such a like not specific direction, but like right. a general direction, mm-hmm. yeah. Or right, not mm-hmm. bad or good, but just a different one, right? Exactly. I think that was a good. That was a good little rabbit hole. There thank you. Go. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Mel, so what's your what's your uh, issue with modern music? What what is the I, one thing you hate about modern music? I don't think it's the music itself. I think it's people's mentalities. Yeah. I think you go. it's everyone's like. I love the fact that knowledge is so accessible, like mm. about production. Okay. But uh, I might be a hypocrite for saying this, but I hate that everyone's a producer. Like, yeah. mm. like. Just listen to the song. Like, are the is the top line good? Do you remember the song? Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, like yeah. forget about the guitar tone, forget about the fucking snare drum, forget about the thing. If you walk away from that song, listening to it once, and you go, whatever the chorus melody is, or like some part, mm-hmm. and you you have that, you remember that, then it's a good song. Like, yeah, just leave it at that. Like, yeah. stop talking shit about the guitar tone. Stop talking shit on the snare drum tone. It's really. Not important. Yeah. It doesn't make the song unlistenable. 
like in the overall spectrum. Yeah, if you right. think about the most popular content that's really breaking out to people, mm-hmm. like go on like the most popular thing on your phone on Instagram, mm-hmm. it's some person playing really well mm-hmm. with a cell phone camera. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's really just that. And then it's not anything I don't feel like it's anything more to it. And that's the thing that I feel like we as musicians are kind of missing now. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that there's a sense, a genuine sense of like realism and lack of production that resonates with like this. I don't whatever audience is watching mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know if you go on the explore page right mm-hmm. now. It's not a produced music video that's like peaking the explore page no. or mm-hmm. like killing it on Facebook. Yeah, it's it's some like. Just genuine person playing guitar. Well, this yeah. past year was Hobo or, Johnson. Like I was past, I was about to bring yeah. up Hobo this past Johnson. Past year was Hobo Johnson. Yeah. In his yeah. backyard. Yeah. So and then yeah. I mean it was not produced, but all like plugged in in a way that you mm. could hear. But it sure. wasn't like this crazy production. Mm-hmm. Now, no. to to kind of expound on that a little bit. Now, do you think that's because of the way that we've begun to digest music, or is that because we're in a room with you know four or five musicians and all we're doing is analyzing all the time? Like there's there's a weird there's a weird point in my brain where I stopped listening to music and I began began analyzing music mm-hmm. yeah. and I have to learn you do have to learn to turn that off otherwise you just become you know wank master two thousand right and and you're not enjoying music anymore you're just going mm-hmm. I know that's in the key of F minor and he's doing this movement and this movement and you don't enjoy it anymore mm-hmm. and you know from a producer standpoint you go well I know he did that with a fifty seven going through this preamp and you know this that and the other. Um, there's a point where you almost stop enjoying music because you're analyzing it. I think something hit me recently. Like, I don't know if you were with me in that change, but I think like when you and I became like me and Jacob, when we started working together, I think there was like a, a huge pull towards better songwriting in Mm -hmm. our band. Like Mm -hmm. let's write better songs, let's Mm -hmm. write better choruses. It's like, like, how do we do that? And then I stopped caring like more and more. I stopped caring less and less, I guess, about how things sounded Mm -hmm. and more how things felt or how Mm -hmm. things impacted me emotionally. And then we started, like, listening to music that was, like, far outside of metal or far outside of... And And we were just... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, and even, like, when I think Naz showed me Hobo Johnson and I was like... I get why people wouldn't like this, but this is good. Mm-hmm. Like this, this has like the the like. There's an imagery in his lyrics that 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 paints a picture in people's minds. Mm-hmm. Like he's telling a story. Like do we tell stories mm-hmm. in our stuff? Like mm-hmm. do you can you relate? Like even with like the super fangirly Pierce the Veil lyrics, mm-hmm. there's a storytelling yep. aspect yeah. involved that, that people can connect with. And what are we doing? That that parallels that, and are we really telling the stories of why we're sad and yeah. writing this song, yeah. or are we telling the stories of why we're happy? And I feel like because so many people can now produce, like I, I'm not joking. Like I think if I gave like someone like a YouTube account, like three tutorials and like all the JST they're, plugins, they're a producer. like all, not even that, they can write a better record mm-hmm. than something that was like released with like a high budget oh i see what, 15 yeah. years I see what ago. you're saying and now because everybody can do that it's no longer like a production that's holding you back it's just if you're good at writing music yeah you know i like that you bring that up because i actually brought uh, that kind of conversation came up uh, about a week ago because somebody had put uh something on facebook about music being held behind a budget wall 
mm-hmm. that you had to yeah. have so much money to have a good sounding song. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the opposite, that we've reached a point where technology and recording programs are so inexpensive that anybody can do it. Yeah. That like, what should matter is what you said is, is it a good song? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, it's, it's funny, too, because I, that, that's a double-edged sword because, you know, at the same time, you know, back 20, 30 years ago, you know, you had to make sure your shit was ready to go because you were going to spend thousands of dollars in mm-hmm. the studio. Now it's so easy. Oh, I can make that more technical. Yeah. I, can do that. I fall into that pit because I like to play technical. And back to, you know, what you guys said about, uh, you know, just writing a good song. I, I've kind of scaled back on that maybe in the last six months myself and just sat there and I'm like, does that stick in my head? Is that something that I'm going to remember? Yeah. A- am I humming that to myself later? Yeah. You know, if you're if I'm humming a riff to myself later, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what it is. That shit's stuck in my head. That's right. going to get yeah. stuck in somebody yeah. else's right. head, you know? And the, yeah. the, the, the Pierce the Veils and the, the, the bands like that, like, you know, I got shit the other day because I was going to see a Treyu. Like, I'm 30 fucking years old. <laughs> First of all, I can like whatever the fuck yeah. I want. Yeah. But... Uh, second of all, you know, there's there's lyrics, there's yeah. there's stuff there, and um, you know, when I was 15, yeah, maybe I cared about brutality, but here, mm. you know, now as a musician myself, I like to play stuff that's complex to challenge myself, but I get bored unless it's something that has an emotion that backs it. And, you know, I'm really glad that you brought that up because you know the emotion that backs is what drives me to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, so listening to songs, stuff like that, you know, I. Uh, Kill Switch Engage, dude, like all the Howard stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, nothing against Still Jesse. Catchy. Love Jesse's mm-hmm. stuff, but Howard stuff was so much more deeper emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, passionate. Oh my god. Every time like the end of Heartache comes on, it's like fucking stop everything. As soon as that as soon as that lead kicks in. That's it, mm-hmm. and it's fucking over. Like even for my wife, the same thing. It's like this is this is it. We're listening to this. <laughs> and it's funny because like you bring bring like on the topic of bands like that, like I think of a band like Bullet from a Valentine. Oh yeah. Where their early material was so much more in my mind, I felt it was way more genuine than what they were doing than what they're doing now. Yeah. I think know? so too. And it's like I listened to those first two records and it's just like, wow, like I feel that. You know, yeah. I, I'm not going through what you're going through, but I feel it. And then I listened to like this last record that they put out and it's just kinda just like Yeah. It's whatever. It's whatever, yeah, you know, and I hear a lot of people saying like, No, dude, it's good music and I'm like, Yeah, but is it? Like, are well, you, like I mean, at the end of the day, it is up into it. Like, it, it it's it's all into uh, the listener's perspective. It's right, up to interpretation. Right. But in my mind, it's like if I don't resonate with that, it's like I'm not coming back to it. I'm not coming back to it. You know, maybe that's why I'm not like big on the architects record, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. See that? See, we're, we're reaching a point for me where uh, I think myself and Larry have kind of talked about this at, at length. Where you can rip and you can fucking shred as much as you want, but I'm not gonna hum a shred. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to hum a solo. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to come back to your song because of a dope solo. Usually, mm-hmm. usually I'm going to hum something that's like, like you said, a chorus that gets stuck in my yeah. head. And if it's not there, it's not there. Like, you can be as tech as you want, but and that's cool, but I don't know how many how many casual listeners are going to be into that. Well, transversely, I feel like Polyphia recently has done something to me that I felt like, that's techie, but mm-hmm. they learned how to make that tech catchy mm-hmm. like, okay i remember this that's the one that always sticks with me too yeah. okay because it's like you can sing that yeah mm-hmm. but that's still like there's techie parts mm-hmm. but they didn't forget mm-hmm. that 
They're well, that, still trying to write music. That's I think for, Angel Vivaldi is really good at that with a lot yes. of his stuff. I say, Chan does that really well, too. Yeah, Chan's the same thing. I think they're, they're all really good at it. I mean, you know, to bring it up, so uh, Jared Dines put out his 30 Greatest Shredders sure. Part 2. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, Angel Vivaldi's was probably the best. And I mean, everybody was really good in that thing. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're talking, he's gathered the best of the best, mm-hmm. and the, the most notable. And I think Angel's was just... Fuck, dude, that guy, like, the way he plays is just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's stuck in my head. Like, I, I went through his part, like, five times. Yeah, yeah, just know? that section. Just mm-hmm. that section. I mean, I'm a huge, like, Andy James fan and stuff like that. And, like, I just, Angel's part was, you know, there's there's something about the way he plays. Mm-hmm. that It's crazy, but there's feeling in it. I yeah. think, like, when you, when you bring that up, I think he's, like, trying to be mindful of who he's playing for. Mm-hmm. True. You know what I mean? So, like, if he's playing for, like, yes, I'm playing for guitars, obviously. I'm a guitarist that mm-hmm. has a big name and guitars are going to listen to me. But how, what sets me apart or him, like, what sets him apart is his consideration for, like, good melody. Mm-hmm. Right. That, like, you can just walk away from and be like, oh, I know this part mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's not overwhelming enough to where my fingers, like, yeah, of course, it's a great exercise. I'm figuring mm-hmm. out, like, how to play, like, really well but I, there's like some room for recollection or like what's the word for remembering or just some like catchiness mm-hmm. yeah I think that's, well, that's why even yeah. too like like with all the music I listen to like all like all the metal like my favorite guitarist will always be Neil Sean from Journey right you know because like there's he's done several interviews he's like yeah I, li- I like to, I can do all the shreddy stuff but like people are gonna remember the simple melody like that like people, yep. that's what sticks with people and it's like again it's like knowing your audience it's like yeah I can do the the shreddy stuff but if people are going to remember this and this is what's going to sell records and this is what's going to feel better to play you know exactly and yeah. so the reason I bring this up is there there was a massive uh, um, debate between people with Doyle when he released that interview about I only know three chords like oh, he's yeah. only he's built a, a career on three chords he's like I don't give a shit if you shred right mm-hmm. And I thought I feel like that divided the guitar community, where there was a there was a section of guitarists that's like, "Yo, he's right. Like, if you can't write a song, what are you going to build a career on?" Mm-hmm. And then there was the other half that was like, uh, "Periphery, Tosin, right. all these other guys mm-hmm. that are built a career on shredding." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I mean, I don't know. I think to some degree, you know, he his point made is you know the point that Mel made is yeah. that. Who gives a shit what it is, you know? It depends on the audience. The best part about music is it's so damn subjective. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the five of us in here, I mean, although, you know, we kind of meet on a common, you know, interest, all have very different interests musically. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the best part about it. Yeah, that's what what part of this podcast is about, is exploring that that journey of being on your your musical journey. Um, I I feel like, just sorry to... No. But I think... The thing with periphery and the mainstream, no, I guess it's weird, but it's like mainstream prog rock bands that are like the forefront nowadays. They still write melodies in their lead guitar or top line, yeah. whatever is like taking that, mm-hmm. that people can still sing. Or if you're a technical listener, impacts you in a way that you remember. And then there's a lot, like, because I personally believe that there's a lot more technical, technically skilled players than those people. In those bands, like yeah. well, Periphery and I think, I think that comes down to why a lot of people that gravitate towards Periphery, there's a good pocket of people that go, can I just get the songs without Spencer? Can I just have the songs with no vocalist? 
because they, they like you said, there's melodies in what the guitar is doing that they want to hear more than the melody that the vocalist is doing. Mm-hmm. They're just like, that's more catchy than what you have as the vocalist. Like, let me just hear what the lead is doing because I'm gravitating more towards that. So that, I, for me, that's interesting. That's interesting that, um, in a way, like you're saying, like you can get more out of what the players are doing because there's more meat to that part of the well, that part of the song. I, I think the reason why, well, it's because like I actually like Spencer in mm. the band a mm. lot. Yeah, and I Same like here. I yeah. like his tone. I like his delivery, and I like I grew to like his lyrical organization, mm. how he like themed stuff across like an album, and the thing that I think that the reason why I liked Periphery and certain select songs that Jason Richardson wrote was like of like prog guitar and I'm not I think I listened to prog music if you call that prog or like Progressive metal? Pro- uh, yeah, I guess it is. Because I don't want to say gent. I don't want to. I don't think they're gent anymore. I don't. I don't think the the gent concept. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. Progressive. I, 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 yeah, progressive. Progressive I think that's stuff with hard guitar. Sure. <laughs> I feel Loud like stuff. I, I feel like I listened to that mainly because the lead guitarist in Asylus, like uh, Eric, was very inspired by like those players. So I wanted to like figure out okay what. Sure, makes you want to be on the same page. Yeah. So what makes him tick? And then when I realized, oh, it's like. The lead guitar has like a finesse with writing top line that's like runny, and then you do a melody that hits you, and then like they have a way of yeah, writing. Yeah. I feel like I'm I'm repeating myself, but like they have a way of writing that I still can sing the guitar part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way they break apart chords and turn them into leads is really impressive. Mm-hmm. It's it's really and it was unique, and mm-hmm. that's part of their formula that really works. I yeah. mean, I, I really like it, like, you know, even back to, like, you know, some of the, the Haunted Shores, like, so you know, stuff before those became actual songs and right. stuff like that. You know, the way that they break down chords and, you know, they did, you know, especially in the beginning was just so damn unique, you know, that was, you know, yeah. it, it's incredible. And it's still cool to listen to. I mean, I get I give Periphery a hard time just because it's, you know, it's almost mainstream at this point. Yeah. But, you know. Uh, it's almost like the, the standard. Like, you start yeah. you start there with guitar music right now. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that's where everybody starts, but there's a, that's a good place point to go well do you like periphery that's going to be my barometer of how how this conversation is going to go exactly it's like the the modern day randy Rhodes. (laughs) yeah it is i mean you know i don't know if i can like people get like really mad about me saying that either you like him or you don't i'm I'm in the camp that doesn't that's that's it generationally you know there there was there was randy and you know for for what for us you know there's van halen you know there's eddie and then you you look at us you know who do we have these days we got misha Mm -hmm. you know you got mark holcomb tosin you know uh, you know, I mean, which, by the way, is awesome that he's on that Generation Axe with a bunch of the guys from a generation mm-hmm. way before him, you know, with Steve yeah. I, Zach Wilde, Ingve Malmsteen. Mm-hmm. We just, that is what we're seeing is the next generation of those guys and, yeah. and their unique, unique way of doing things. Um, so, I think we're going to end on, on, on that next generation statement because I feel like that's something that I wanted to bring up in the podcast that uh, it's kind of been bugging me in the back of my head right now. Like the past maybe three months, the next generation statement has been really like uh, a needle in my ass. Right. Um, That's just getting old, man. Uh, um, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, think that, I, I think that's the point. We're, we're seeing a lot of artists who are starting to age and starting to age out and starting seeing these bands that are kind of meeting their end, meeting their retirement, whatever 
people dying, people reaching, you know, careers ending, whatever. There's no next generation. And that's where my brain gets kind of like pissed because I, I don't see the next slayer. For me, there's no next slayer. Nobody's been built up as the next generational band. Mm-hmm. I mean, am I the only one on this? Or is, no, or, I agree. Yeah. Because um, I feel like... Same thing. Yeah. I feel like there's a, lot of, there's a lot of mid-tier bands that don't know how to get to that next tier. And they're not, we're not making spaces for those next bands. We're just writing these older bands until they're dead and going, well, I guess it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, it's really been kind of like a thought in my brain that, yes, Lamb of God is very good, but who's gonna, when Lamb of God reaches the Slayer tier, who's going to replace Lamb of God? Right, and I, yeah, I mean, because I think they're they're running up behind them, and you know, I, I think there's the Slayers, then you got the Slipknots, the Lamb of God, sure. and stuff like that. I mean, you know, uh, those guys are starting to get up there. I mean, they're not up there, up there, but I but mean, they're getting, getting there. They're definitely getting there. You know, you know, now that you bring that up, I don't really know who's who's behind that. I was really I, switch engage. I, well, I was really happy to see that. ETID next year, uh, they're going to do a two-day festival compared to their usual one-day Christmas festival. They're right. going to start expanding it. it you know, Slipknot <coughs> kind of took the reins from OzFest, so it's mm-hmm. going to be NotFest. Right. But when those bands kind of reach their peak, their next peak, the next peak, um, I haven't seen replacements. Like, it, I haven't seen... It might seen... be too early to tell. I mean, you know... It might be. Yeah, you know, Corey Taylor's got a... He's a pretty big name, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, he's got opinions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's out there and around. I mean, you know, like you had mentioned, NotFest taking over. I mean, he's not that old of a guy. No. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe we... You know, maybe they're there and they just haven't hit that point yet. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we, we put bands like Slipknot and stuff like that on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Because of, you know, the late 90s and early 2000s. I mean, you know, here we are in 2018. Maybe those bands are still growing. Well, that's why I wanted to bring that up with you guys, where where you're almost, I think, Jacob, you're about 10 years younger than I am, give or, give or take. Yeah. And, I, and I know you're about, you're literally about the between between all of us. So I wanted to kind of get everybody's take on, like, like Beam, I thought Bring Me the Horizon was going to be that next big band. And they did, but they kind of became the next big alt-rock band. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought Architects was going to be another one, but this new record, I'm kind of like shaky. Like they do very well overseas. It, yeah. um, I'm just not seeing in my brain. I'm just not seeing what 2019 is going to bring that next big band I to the it, forefront. I think it goes a lot back to what you were saying earlier, where just bands are just kind of do the same thing that's already been done. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's why, like a lot of like when I write music, I try and listen to whatever it is the opposite of what I'm writing. Okay, you know, because I don't want to. It's like, oh, if I'm trying to write proggy music, I'm not going to listen to all these prog bands because that's already You're just going to really write prog. You know, if I'm trying to write like a pop song, I'm not going to listen to pop songs because that's all been done already. Mm-hmm. You know, like the idea, like that's why bands like Linkin Park got so big because they weren't just listening to like, oh, well, this is what's trending. All this new metal, this is what's trending, or like just whatever it was at that time. It's like mm-hmm. we're going to copy that. It's like no, like we like rap, we like rock, mm-hmm. put it together. Mm-hmm. This is what we got. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with Rage Against the Machine. Like bands like that that are just like willing to take that idea, or even a day to remember, you know, like a day to remember, like talking about festivals, they started self help, right? You know, right. and That's like right. yeah. they've blown up in the last like five years, a lot That's bigger true. than you know. They like, went they went radio a little more radio friendly. You know, they they they, they just came off of a like basically arena tour, right? You know, doing doing all those arena shows. And so maybe so. that's it. You know, maybe that's. That. I always forget about mm-hmm. a day to remember. Mm-hmm. Or even Dance Game and Dance, they're doing Swan Fest now. Mm-hmm. True, yeah, that's true. It's just with with something like, and I know we got we got kind of teased that there there's gonna be another Warp Tour, mm-hmm. but with 
Europe, who tends to do a lot of festivals, they you know they have a whole festival season in Europe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna run into that pocket of like, what are what are we gonna go see mm-hmm. at a certain point? Like, what are you gonna go see? You're probably gonna go see a festival. Hopefully, it's put on by bands that we like enough mm-hmm. bands that we like where it's not the same bill just oh. with a different title over right, and over again. Right. Um, I I feel like there's like a huge generation behavioral thing that we're like. I think at least maybe I was short-sighted on until like very recently. It's that the way that people like ingest music mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is far different than like True. like there's less people who want to go to shows. So like I feel like the reason why festivals are happening more like in select areas because <coughs> people our age are willing to get on a plane or willing to get on a road trip mm-hmm. with five dudes or seven dudes in a van mm-hmm. and rent something and just drive to yeah. Vegas, Cali, Texas, Sacramento, Sacramento, mm-hmm. or wherever, and then just get drunk with their friends or do whatever, and then be there for four days, five sure. days. Where like high school kids needed to like Fine. go to a show, be there, and be back home. Yeah, like be up at two stoked, but still go to school the next day. Sure. It's like a like a different thing, and I feel like. Kids now want to watch music on their live phone, stream, yeah. TV, phone. Mm-hmm. Like they don't leave, and there's, and the artists that are making it big are probably don't need to play shows. Like, does it sound weird? No, I mean, like no, it doesn't. I think one of the bigger uh, tech bands, and I just went completely blank on. But they only recently had like a, a show, if I recall correctly. Fuck, I can't remember their name. <laughs> Shadow of Intent. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shadow of Intent, like, put out Reclaimer, and from what I heard, maybe I'm wrong, they hadn't played a show until they, that second album yeah. came out. Those guys are mm-hmm. fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to do that anymore. It's mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's funny you say that. Like, I look at a band like Under Oath now, you know, where right. they just came back, and, you know, they did that tour with, like, playing their first two albums that was kind of like a for the fans thing but now you look at them they're playing these big festivals they're mm-hmm. playing they're opening for Breaking Benjamin next mm-hmm. year you mm-hmm. know and it's like I think bands like that are, are kind of what people need to be modeling after it's like oh like yeah I could be playing these small venues for X amount of years or I could just keep pushing the envelope and do something different mm-hmm. and like try and get to that, those big stages so I can be the next whatever whatever yeah I think know? like Tyler Smith said like write music for the stage you want to play on exactly like yeah. and that's exactly is, what they did yeah. yeah and and the thing that i think that's interesting now is like i feel like you could create such a like what's who's that guy who who did the jared dines yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. he did the, the the collab thing didn't he like fill in for trivium for, for trivium yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah matt left halfway through tour because he was having his kid which i thought i was thinking about this last night it's funny that you bring it up i was sitting at the gym and i was listening to uh trivium and i'm sitting there like wait but matt does all the vocals like, how <laughs> did that work out like yeah jared filled in played guitar for him almost like i didn't even realize that he was that caliber of a musician in my head he's just some youtuber right mm-hmm. you yeah. know but and stuff like that so that was crazy to me it's those those that's why i was talking about like to, to me it's those youtubers that are the next yeah generation of like you know to answer mark's question like that's probably the next gen probably not this immediate generation but that's what, when it's going to flip over yeah that's why i felt like i'm not saying that asylus was like super big successful in any capacity but when we said collectively let's market this like a youtube viner instagram like Instagram band mm-hmm. and like take stuff that those guys did that got viral and take those concepts and just do that mm-hmm. whatever it be meme marketing or like just whatever works for someone who's not doing music yeah 
let's just try to do that and see what happens. Yeah. And then like we like own the Facebook algorithm for a good three months <laughs> with like tag a friend who blanks and then like that worked out super well for us. And then I feel like that's what those guys are doing except like with a like more hardcore fan base and a more direct like like it's a like more direct to consumer sure. kind of mm-hmm. thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good perspective. Yeah. Real quick, going back to the shows, a lot of them, they're kind of modeling after Coachella where it's a destination. Mm-hmm. Like you said, mm. the, where people are paying for an experience and, okay, I'm going to go to here, I'm going to spend a couple days, I want to pay for that and get like a whole little outing instead of, I'm going to go see one band, or a couple bands, <coughs> a couple bands that way. That's one way where they can actually get exposed to so many different bands, like mm-hmm. the Danny, Danny Weimer. He did, yeah. yeah, he does um, Rock on the Range, um, Stone Temple or Sonic Temple. There, that's another one. Um, there's a bunch of ones, but they're all on the East Coast. And they, the only reason why I know is because Meshuggah is going to be doing a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. They're kind of taking that um, the festival like lineup mm-hmm. where you see them on all of them, which yeah. is kind of interesting to see because last time it was only. Um, Chicago Open Air, mm-hmm. but now they have at least three different festivals that they're going to be a part of. That's why I want to see what this next um, this next Warped Tour experiment experiment is going to be the twenty five mm-hmm. year um, anniversary where they're doing I think three dates over here, three one dates. dates one date in Texas, and, and then, then three, three dates in Florida. Here. Like I think that's going to be a really good experiment to see what that, that turnout's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you been to those, like, the Warped Tour cruises? Or, like, have you seen the turnout on I think those? we saw a couple of those where it was, I think Etid did a cruise. And then I think we saw the one where Jericho did a cruise. Well, Jericho has his own cruise. Right. And they were really interesting because I feel like that brings the very select, dedicated yeah. people out. They know they're going to make money on those because only those people, this is the one yeah. time you get to go see this one thing. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense. Is it always going to make sense? That's yeah. I feel like that's the hmm. real question. Like, is this going to make sense in ten years? Probably not. Well, Megadeth has their one, and so you have seventy thousand tons, yeah, where it has a ton. Yeah. That one usually that, that seemed to sell. Yeah, really that well. was a big, big yeah. thing. But you have everything for like pretty much like four a.m. in the morning. Yeah, yeah. and then they have the periphery, the the jam, <laughs> the their jam thing that they do. They oh, do their yeah, their retreat. Right. So I think there is a market for it. I think you just have to. Establish a market, obviously. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that just comes back to what we were talking about earlier, to drag people out of their house. Yeah. Now it has yeah. to be a whole experience, because mm-hmm. you could watch them play a show on your phone. Mm-hmm. You know? You could watch them play a show while you're taking a shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, really. No, it's a shit like, show. Yeah. Well, it's a shit <laughs> show. <laughs> the, the Coachella thing definitely was like, it hit the nail on the head, like, just those experiences. Because I think of... Which is, like, even it. even back th- back in the day when people had Woodstock, mm-hmm. you know, like that was the ex- that was the place to be. Yeah, you know, like a lot of people say, like like with Coachella, it's like, oh, like yeah, I'm just going to Coachella. Like I don't listen to music; I just want to be there. I feel like that happens. Yeah. A l- that photos. happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. go to Coachella to say that you're at Coachella. Yeah, exactly. And in a weird way, I feel like you kind of hit that with Woodstock too. Like name ten mm. bands that were on the Woodstock lineup. You can't yeah. name ten bands that were on the last Coachella. I could Probably can't. Woodstock '99. Yeah, but oh yeah, yeah. That fucking corn they have a bunch of the parties so mm-hmm. it's not yeah. just your that's outside of even the festival because a lot of the brands they see that hey there's going to be everybody in that localized spot so mm-hmm. I'm going to throw a party mm-hmm. and invite all the celebrities that are going mm-hmm. and yeah it may cost like X amount but everybody's taking photos with that filter that has your logo mm-hmm. and everybody is like oh my goodness 
they're at that Coachella party, and right. it goes viral. And they're able to, like, get that much more exposure than just an ad. And see, that's, that's the my... generation. Right, and that's my thing. I think that's what something that Mel would, would be able to nail in sometime in the future is how are bands able to capitalize on that idea? Like, what would be the way for a band to jump on board on that concept? Like, that's something that I would think <coughs> to explore at some point. Like, how do I make this experience more than just a 30-minute show? You know? Um, yeah. Well, that was, that's, kind of, that's kind of the loosely the idea behind the holiday shows. You know, it's like you're not going just for this one band set. You go for the entire experience. Mm-hmm. It's know? like, I, I guess what we tried to do with the holiday show, I, I can't say if we did or did not, is create like this sense of community behind mm-hmm. what it is. Because mm-hmm. like when we could, I mean, this holiday show was a little bit like I've, I, since I was out and about, I don't feel like I executed some things I wanted to do the way that I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the first time we, we donated like uh a percentage of our merch sales, which other bands opted into, to, uh, what's it called, to, like, a beneficiary. So, like, we had, uh, what's it called, like, don- gift donations. We had, like, a giant pile yeah. for this company called CBI, which was, like, for kids with autism. And yeah. it was super cool because, like, all their staff and some of the kids came out, and, like, they are like, oh, rock music, this is cool. And then we donated, like, guitars and drums yeah. to, like, these kids. That's cool. And, like, that kind of, like, we wanted to do that every and year have it grow. and rotate like who we did it for but it, like that part got kind of hard just because it was like hard for some like it, it's a for like i think to those companies not really having a benefit show but to some companies it's a foreign idea for a rock show with metal singing for someone like that to represent your company yeah so we kind of like went into like hang-ups trying to find the right person who would be like about it yeah. and then donate that stuff too but like we were trying to create an experience that was like, like let's decorate chain reaction like no, it's no, a you're, Christmas like. But place. see, it's those ideas. It's those. It's weird. It's those out of the box ideas that end up solidifying a band's longevity. Mm-hmm. Like in a weird way, what you thought, what we brought up with the cruise. Like that's such a like ten that years ago. Of, that's such a weird concept. Yeah. Like yeah. who fucking gets on a boat to go watch a show? But then it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, we didn't like you said with the Christmas show. Maybe this year. You weren't 100% about it. Maybe next year, that's when it fucking nails it. But um, it's a learning curve, yeah. mm-hmm. knowing what but, works, what doesn't. But even then, like, even before the, this holiday show was announced, I had a lot of people come to me like, hey, like, when's the holiday, what, like, what's up with the holiday show? Like, yeah. is that happening this year? It's like, mm-hmm. like, even without, like, this year being, like, what we want it to be, it's already become, and it's kind of its, it's own thing. it's just not another, it's not another show. And I've mm-hmm. heard of other bands doing, like, other local bands really doing, like, there's this other band out in Texas that did uh it's like a they timed it well with what's that video game con thing that goes in texas that mike always goes to it's like there's like a video like not e3 but there's like a like th- their version of their e3? version yeah of e3? like to that area and then rooster teeth the PAX. oh the, i think it's that one it's like rtx yeah, something yeah, like that yeah, something yeah. Like, yeah, yeah rtx they were doing and then this other band I, I might be confusing events, but this other band was like, yeah, let's do, like, a video game-based show. Like, we don't have to cover them, but if you want to, you can cover those songs. But, mm-hmm. like, everybody, like, came dressed as a, what's it called? Like, a character? Every, mm-hmm. Yeah, all the bands, like, cosplayed. Okay. And mm-hmm. then, um, on top of that, they called vendors, 
from like different companies that had video game based merch or anime based merch mm-hmm. and they had them boothed out and okay those companies like hey you can sell merch mm-hmm. here and then they had like 10 bands in this pretty decently sized venue and then they would do stuff like mm-hmm. that and they would sell out and yeah. then like or like uh, i've heard of bands doing stuff themed mm-hmm. and those theme shows have this demand for doing it again mm-hmm. just I because f- it's so it's an experience it's not just here's the same set list we played seven right, times right i feel like here. raves and really nail that idea of like thematic oh god yes yeah. beyond yeah. wonderland yeah, yeah you, beyond each of wonderland. them have their own thing yeah because it's not just attracting people that already like it it's that you're able to cross promote and somebody that wouldn't necessarily be there mm-hmm. hey you have something that i like and then they get to see something that Wow, I didn't. I would never have picked that up. They're able to to catch on to that, and right? It's like with the video games, a lot of bands are into video games, so trying to tie that in like that works because it's like, hey, I like this. You know, if I can get a couple people who like the mm-hmm. same thing to cross over, it's yeah. worth it. Yeah. Well, it was even like back two years ago when when Pokemon Go when that was a big thing, like. We one of my old bands very loosely, but we 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 like kind of cashed in on that and like did this like pseudo Pokemon themed show and mm-hmm. like we we had a pretty good draw at it just because like yeah show up there's a Pokestop here sure oh and like it, at, uh, it was at that that little Pasadena shop yeah you know and that was cool. uh, yeah Meow Meows yeah. and the big thing was like oh there's a Pokestop at the shop and mm-hmm. people came yeah huh. you know and it worked really well yeah I think it's just finding finding a way know for bands yeah, yeah finding, exactly. finding a way to know your market, finding a way to bands to to get that idea out where it makes sense, and like and having brands that kind of support it. Like I don't think there's any bands that are, the least that I can think of off my head, that are really trying to adapt that idea. Mm-hmm. I think the 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 way to make it work, it's I'm not even saying that I've made it work, but I feel like finding a, something that's so like out of the box, mm-hmm. but just in the box enough to where you're like that's not really fucking weird mm-hmm. let's yeah. go with it mm-hmm. and then just run with it mm-hmm. for sure well, well it also helps too if you know people that know how to contact yeah the mm-hmm. companies that would help or knowing how to reach out because I think that's a lot of times hard for bands if they don't know the business side how to approach a company and be like you know we're going to offer this, this, that. This is going to be your exposure and doing it in a way that it makes sense to the company and mm-hmm. not just seeing, like you said, a metal band or a rock band. It's being able to talk to them and be like, you're going to, re- you're going to get this because you're helping us. Yeah. And working, wording it in a way that it's, it sounds like it's going to produce something. Yeah. Or sure. produce, produce results. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I think we're about to approach our time limit, so um, thank you for everybody for coming on. Thank you, Jacob. Yeah, thank you, Mel. Uh, Larry and I will be back, hopefully, once we yeah. figure out this remote thing. Should be pretty easy. We'll be back. We'll be back very soon. We, we took a long, video, so we took a long break. On. Yeah, we took a long break with uh, Javi just because he, he was getting into dad mode. Yeah, I've got two of those. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, the fact that you can, you, you can do it from remote will be a lot, yeah, lot, lot more interesting. That'll be awesome. And then we'll get together for stuff like, you know, you guys coming out. Mm-hmm. So thank you again for listening, and uh, we'll catch you again. Woo. Miss you.